Let's do it. You ready? Arizona. Welcome to a Saturday night right here in Phoenix, Arizona. Dan Burke was on a mission of grave importance. He had been sure of it. He had the know-how, the moxie, the grit, the huevos to deliver his message. He knew the path down the tight, twisted River Canyon better than most. He had the best horse his employer could put to field. And he already had his payment burning a hole in his pocket as he left Walnut Grove Lake in the middle of that rainy afternoon. What Dan didn't have was consciousness. This is Arizona.FYI Podcast. My name is Mark, and welcome to another episode. The tavern was part of a large tent city, which had sprung up to house workers building a second dam downstream of Walnut Grove, a beautiful lake community in the hills between Prescott and Wickenburg. 150 people called the tent city home, and being a Friday night, most of them were in attendance. The music was loud, the air in the tent tavern was hot and sweaty, in defiance of the rainy February chill, and the patrons were raucously enjoying themselves. Dan, already drunk, struggled to find the words above the din to convince the bartender of the imminent and biblical danger that threatened the town. He would be found the next morning in a ranch house on high ground, sleeping off the night's buzz, by the famed Sheriff Bucky O'Neill. February 21st, 1890, Friday. A wet winter and higher-than-normal snowpack in the mountains south of Prescott, combined with a punishing six inches of rain over three days, led to a humongous amount of water flowing down the Hacienda River near Wickenburg. Normally, this would be quite notable, but not especially dangerous. Were it not for the dam built across the river at Walnut Grove, east of Peoples Valley, in 1887, it might have been remarked upon only as a regular gully washer downstream at the town of Wickenburg. But the dam at Walnut Grove caught the brunt of the meltwater from the previous winter, and the stormwater falling from the sky, and the reservoir it headed began filling at an unprecedented rate. The level of the lake rose so quickly, the local saloon was under six feet of water in a few hours. Quick action by its owner and patrons bore its store of whiskey to higher ground. Homes were inundated, and the health spa-like sanitarium was flooded and its patients displaced. At the dam proper, Supervisor Brown worried over the spillway and valves. He knew the spillway hadn't been constructed large enough. It was built cheaply and with little belief in the possibility of such a confluence of events as it faced this afternoon. It had been recommended that the spillway be dug 55 feet wide and 12 feet deep. When it was built, it was a mere 15 feet across and 8 feet deep at its deepest point. A spillway allows the dam to overflow safely, directing excess water downstream and safely away from the dry base of the dam. Walnut Groves was too small, and the lake began to flow over the lip of the dam. In a modern dam, this might not be a fatal problem. Concrete facing and smooth drops would allow water to fall to the river below. But in 1890, dam construction was a little less sophisticated. The Walnut Grove Dam was made of stacked rock, faced with a thin coat of cement. It was designed well and should have been sturdy, but the construction crew that created it didn't fill the cracks of the larger stones with smaller debris, as called for in the plans. 
This allowed the larger stones to settle together and compromise their strength as the water from the lake washed over them. The superintendent saw the writing on the wall, and he decided to warn the towns downstream to expect high water. At 1.30 p.m. on Friday afternoon, he turned to his company's blacksmith, the man that knew the canyon best. And that brings us back to Dan Burke. See, Dan was a drinker, a well-known drinker to everyone except his boss, who had not known him to tie one on while on the job. But Dan loved him a good saloon, and a good bottle of whiskey was all he needed to spend a night in blissful ignorance. When his boss handed him a wad of bills and instructed him to ride downstream to warn everyone of high water, Dan accepted with gusto. As he left, the supervisor set to work, trying to expand the spillway with dynamite. Twenty miles down the trail, Dan drew his bulk up to the bar at Goodwin's Groggery and ordered his second whiskey of the day. He had stopped on the way down the canyon to procure a draft of whiskey in a beer bottle from the Cameron Ranch, and having consumed it all in the ride, he was thirsty for more. His stop at the tavern was well-intentioned, but ill-thought-out, and proved to be a death sentence for over a hundred souls. At 1.45 a.m. Saturday morning, the Walnut Grove Dam collapsed. At the first turn of the canyon below the dam, the water reached 80 feet up the walls. Four billion gallons of water were released on the unsuspecting tenants downstream, and the reservoir emptied itself in a matter of minutes. The little town of Seymour, below the main dam, was erased from the face of the earth immediately. At two minutes past 2 a.m., the water reached the lower dam site, 18 miles downstream. At five minutes past two, the water reached Pipeline City, six miles below that. Soon the waters were roaring through Box Canyon, just northeast of Wickenburg. They would soon destroy the orchards and fields of Henry Wickenburg, the former mine owner and namesake of the town, and threatens hundreds of people living there. From the Arizona Weekly Citizen in Tucson, 1 March, 1890. Saturday morning, 31 white people and 3 Chinese were known to have drowned. How many more were swept without warning into eternity cannot be definitely known, until the Hacienda and Gila rivers, with the overflowed lands on either side, have been searched down to Yuma, and perhaps even then many a soulless body will float into the Stygian Gulf of California and lie on the ocean's depths, until Gabriel's horn shall blow. The following dead and missing are reported by Mr. Mills. Dead. Macmillan. Haynes, aged 20, Chinaman, unknown. Man found at Seymour, 25 miles below the dam. Three bodies, unrecognized. Missing. Company cook, a woman, father, mother, and three sisters of young Haynes above. Laborer Boone and the oldest daughter. George, the scout. George Everts, two of the brown boys. Engineers, two blacksmiths. George Clark and partner Charlie. Chinese boarding housekeeper, three placer miners two miles below. The list of dead and missing kept rising throughout the night. The Phoenix papers were full of stories the next morning. An Italian had just moved into a hotel outfit. The flood floated his cellar, but the soaked provisions tasted well when fished out. First meal at noon Saturday. It was the only food left in the camp. The groups of excited people surpasses anything ever known in Phoenix. Everybody is out on the streets and business has stopped, practically. The two head gates of the Buckeye Canal went out Saturday night, and two acres around them was washed away. Mills walked to Brill's Ranch, 18 miles, reaching there about dark, an adobe building once occupied by Wilson had been washed away, and the torrent roared within a few inches of the house. 
He reached the Agua Fria yesterday. It was belly deep when he crossed last night. On Brill's ranch at Wickenburg, many fruit trees were washed out or badly bent over. Some of his fields are three to four feet of sand and mud. Another story in one of the Phoenix papers talks about Superintendent Brown sending another messenger after Dan Burke. This would be William Acard, who was supposed to drowned, but eventually showed up in Prescott later on. So the messenger got lost and never reached his destination until next morning, after the torrent had swept by. Henry Wickenburg's ranch is said to be nothing but a sandbar. The flood reached the Gila River about 4 p.m. on Saturday, and there spread over two miles in width. Houses, provisions, and all kinds of drift came down in great confusion. The Phoenix Herald. In the coming weeks after the disaster, bodies were found 80 feet up the canyon walls, battered, stranded, and left to die. A clothes iron from the Chinese laundry was found 100 feet above the river floor, nestled in a crevice. The safe from Bob Brow's saloon was reportedly washed away, containing over $7,000 in gold coin. Some say it's still there, buried along the Haciampa to this day. From the paper the day after the event. In the canyon between the two dams were quite a number of cabins, all of which, with their unfortunate human occupants, were carried down to death and destruction by the running flood. The distance between the two dams, 20 miles, it is said was traveled by the water in less than half an hour. And when the dam was reached, it was swept away like chaff before a hurricane, and on went this demon of death. It reached Wickenburg, a distance of 30 miles in two hours, and went sweeping on its course, a solid column of water 40 feet in height. Every ranch house in this place was destroyed. The bodies of three women, four men, and one child, that of Mr. Newton's, were found at this place. None of the dead but the child could be identified. Seymour, 12 miles from Wickenburg, was the next victim of the rushing waters. The store and ranch house of Mrs. Conger, with all their contents, was demolished, the lady escaping by fleeing in her nightclothes to the mountains. Here, two more unknown bodies were found. At Smith's Mill, about four miles below Seymour, the flood overtook a teamster, drowning him and his horses. The Vulture Mining Company lost five miles of piping, involving a loss of $20,000. Yavapai County chose to bear the cost of this disaster and ultimately tried to recover the damages from the company that built the dam. Dan Burke was arrested by Sheriff Bucky O'Neill and spent a few days in jail, but was ultimately released because Arizona law had no provision upon which to prosecute him. The legacy of the disaster can be seen in satellite photos of the canyons of the Haciampa above Wickenburg, and in the massive sand and silt floodplain of the Haciampa between Buckeye and Wickenburg. The dam itself is nothing more than a few rusted cable stays and road cuts. Walnut Grove Lake, once a recreational mecca for hundreds of miles around, hosting boat races, health retreats, saloons, farms, miners, and their families. It all dried up without hope for rebuilding. The towns of Seymour, Walnut Grove, Wagoner, and the tent cities of the cabins of the Haciampa River Gorge today lie in ruin and play host to naught but rattlesnakes and dust. Only a trained eye and a knowledge of what had been would belie any trace of habitation. Were it not for Arizona's greatest historical disaster, the land between Wickenburg and Prescott may very well have been a thriving metropolitan community, rich in resources and trade. Today, what little remains is home to only a few ranchers and tenacious mining claims. You can visit the site of the dam, though you'll need to stop at the Cooper Ranch and ask permission to cross their ranches. You'll head to Wagoner Road, off the 89 by Kirkland, southwest of Prescott. 
The Gold Bar Ranch offers a bed and breakfast and camping opportunities, as well as fishing in their pond and recreation. You can check them out at goldbarranchbb.com. Well, that just about does it for this episode of Arizona.FYI podcast. Thanks for listening. Be sure to check out our homepage at Arizona.FYI for all of our resources to discuss episodes, etc. If you want to send us questions, comments, or, or ideas for future shows, please drop us a line at mail at Arizona.FYI. Again, thanks for listening. And remember, when you're out there exploring our state, don't forget to bring us along.